Welcome to Phone Messages, episode 195, Not Ready for Marriage. My name is Paul Mason Foch. This week, I play message number 30 from Chris Pearson. And once again, it comes from the forgotten tape of fall 1989. The message is 32 seconds long. Here we go. Bed, squirmy toes that are red. Babies like to watch Fred. Rogers and the L.A. Dodgers. Rocking horse rubber, duck and baby carriage. I'm not ready for I'm not ready for marriage. Well, I'm still not, man. I guess I guess the song turned out to be turned out to be true. I never got married. Could I be playing a, that banjo there? Maybe and not a guitar. I think it sounds like a guitar. No, you know what it is. It's my banjo ukulele. Really. Yeah, I, I'm almost sure I recognize the sound of it because it's 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 a it's a good instrument. But where did you get that instrument? I bought it at a yard sale up in Evanston. I was working there with my pal Joe Vajarski and working on a Saturday. And on the way back, we went by a yard sale and somebody was selling it. It was kind of pricey to me. I think I paid around 60 bucks for it. I bought it probably right around 1989. How many different string instruments did you have? In Chicago, I mean, other than the toys, God, I had this beautiful Telecaster Deluxe that got stolen right when I moved to New York. I had it in the back of my car and someone broke it and stole it. I may have had a really cheap guitar too. At one point I bought a guitar and an amp for a hundred bucks, this crappy blue thing. So I may have still had that, but I had switched over to the Telecaster Deluxe I had the polkalele and this four-stringed um, domino banjo ukulele and then an acoustic, the acoustic I always had, that same Yamaha. That was probably about it. Oh, and, and we, we also, we talked about it. I had a classical mandolin still at that point. I, I've got no idea where that thing went. So before Open Sauce, you were making tapes of your songs before then, right? Yeah, I, I wrote my first songs at the end of my um, last year of high school. You know, when I was about 17, I'd started writing songs then. So what were you doing to record those early songs when you were first making songs? I had a cassette player. I, mean, I think I had, I had I think I always had two cassette players or a double cassette player so I could make copies of tapes. And I believe I had a microphone that plugged right into that. And then did you give these to people or? Yeah, yeah. Then I give them out to my friends. I was probably doing that when I met you. I had a song, The Clam and Abe Lincoln's Beard. I think that was the first song I wrote. It's 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 pretty, I mean, the lyrics are, are all mine, but I think it's sort of like a, uh, sort of like a Lou Reed ripoff. You know, I was so into the Velvet Underground back then. I think my first song, it was um, Giant Squids and Mackerel. Mollusks and mammalian, tuna, 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 eels, eggs, eels, eggs, Venus rising from the sea, barracuda next to me, living life so viciously, 
Boil me some abalone in the aquarium of my mind. The water shapes to any size. I've got a little jumbo shrimp. There's a clam in Abe Lincoln's beard. I think that was the first song I ever wrote. That's great. What was the inspiration? I don't know, but like when I say living life so viciously, I think it's like goes back to the Lou Reed song, Vicious. I was also into poetry back then, and there, there was a Gregory, like Eels Eggs, Eels Eggs, I think maybe from a Gregory Corso poem. And I, I had this one other one you might like if you're interested. It was Chubby the Mechanical Bull, sort of like a Frank Zappa-ish song. Um, and it was definitely a Chicago, I gotta go, I'm a hokey cow pokey from Skokie. I love that country guitar, twang, 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 Glenn Campbell, drinking Chunky's Campbell soup, clam chowder and lima bean, lentil soup with cheese. I've got me a little cow lady with boots up to her knees, leather boots with dangling bells. She boogies to the Statler brothers. And when things get a little dull, we go to ride a mechanical bull. Turn up the speed and ride the range. You name the bull Chubby. Chubby, ubby, 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 chubby. Ubby, 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 chubby, the mechanical bull. Ride the range, ride the range. That was about a girlfriend I had the first year of college. So who do you think were your inspirations at this time? The first year we were there, Jonathan Richmond performed. I mean, you remember the university better than I do. I wanted to just in some sort of like, like I was in a chapel maybe. And I went there with my girlfriend, Jane, and saw Jonathan Richmond play. And it really changed my life, man. Like, I'm like, that's what I want to do. To my ear, the instrument Chris plays on the message is a guitar, not a ukulele. Nonetheless, I was curious to learn the history of his banjo uke. Chris's instrument dates from the 1920s and was built by the J.R. Stewart Company, which introduced the Le Domino brand in 1925 and made several different ukes as well as guitars and mandolins until going bankrupt in 1930. But J.R. Stewart was not the only company to build this curious musical hybrid. According to ukulele historians Jim Tronquata and John King, the ukulele banjo first appeared in an advertisement for Frank Palma & Son, a Chicago-based distributor, in 1916. The oldest ad I could find came in a 1917 edition of the Cincinnati Inquirer, where the Rudolph Wurlitzer Company says, The banjo ukulele is surely the greatest introduction of recent years. It has the dreamy tone of the ukulele blended with the drummy banjo effect, a combination that you cannot resist. Three dollars cash or fifty cents a week. Several other companies advertised similar instruments in the late teens and twenties, capitalizing on the ukulele boom from this era. The ukulele originated in the 1870s among Portuguese immigrants to Hawaii 
who modeled it on a small instrument from the island of Madeira called a machete. The uke became popular among native Hawaiians, in part thanks to its promotion by King Kalakaua, who reigned from 1874 to 1891. During the 1915 San Francisco World's Fair, ukulele players were featured at the Hawaiian Pavilion, which inspired the first wave of uke fever. The instrument remained popular through the 1950s when it was played by Arthur Godfrey on his TV variety show. Its popularity declined in the 70s, perhaps due to its comic association with Tiny Tim, who recorded Tiptoe Through the Tulips in 1968. Appropriately enough, it was native Hawaiian Israel Kamakavivo Ole who sparked the instrument's revival with his 1990 recording of Somewhere Over the Rainbow. These days, dozens of different ukuleles can be purchased online for under $50, while vintage ukes of the 1920s can sell for a few hundred. I found Chris's model online listed at $549. If you love this podcast, but are not ready for marriage, go to pfoch.com. That's P-F-O-T-S-C-H dot com. The interview was edited this week by Chris's niece, Sadie Levin. Many thanks to her and to Chris for his hokey pokey. And thank you for listening. Talk to you next week.